So the Bible reading for today is 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 13, 7. And if you're looking in a pew Bible, that's on page 797. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonour others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Thanks, Alyssa. Good morning. It's been great already to hear this morning uh, different pieces of family news, people, uh, new babies and 
people heading off for a time. As um, Amy said, Sophie's heading off for a holiday for a few weeks to Europe tomorrow, and it's great to have um, Monica and uh, Anthony back with us if they've been in Europe and, and comings and goings and all the things that are happening um, amongst our family. And lots of new people, obviously, those of you who've joined us in the last little while, uh, those of you who've been here for a while. This series, as Sophie said and Elliot talked about last week, is really um, an opportunity for us as a community to, to talk about who we are and who we want to be, who we believe God has called us to be, to remind ourselves but also to imagine and to picture what God is calling us to and then to practice that because we don't want to just talk about what it means to be the church. We're called to live it out. Uh, and to practice it with one another. And so if you are here last week, Elliot did a bit of an introduction to this series and talked about the big story of God out of which we live and then really how our Richmond values come out of that. The things that we're talking about shouldn't be a surprise to you if you've read the Bible or you've been around churches for a while. They might have a bit of a Richmond twist to some of the language. Um, but it's our collective discernment of what does it look like here and now, in this place, in this time, as this community, to live out the big story of God, to be the people of God. Um, what does that look like in practice? And we talk about it in a number of different ways, but you think of it as three dimensions to our values. There's the up, the in, and the out. Uh, so last week, Sophie talked about the up, those, those ideas about who we are, uh, who God is and who Jesus is and how we relate to him and what we do when we gather together and we seek to be grown as disciples of Jesus. Today, we're going to talk about the in, which is really our connection to one another. What does it look like to be this community? How do we relate to each other? Uh, and then next week, Elliot's going to talk about the out which is the, that third dimension of what does it mean to be the church? Well, it means that we are on mission, we're sent, we're connecting with our community and our neighbourhood. Now, all of these three themes are really interwoven. You can't separate them out, so it's a little bit false, and you might see that there are some repeating patterns and words and practices and rhythms that we talk about over these three weeks because they all interweave together into one big picture. But I love the idea of us taking a moment to articulate, to remind ourselves, to talk about them, and maybe even to have a go at practising what they look like. Sophie talked last week about the idea of imagination, um, and this has been a, a bit of a key word for us over the last year or two, this idea that God gives us a picture of what could be and we live into that. Imagination is an incredible gift that God has given us because we can see what could be um, and what we desire and what we hope for and what we long for. And then there's an invitation to live into that. The reading that Alyssa just read from the Bible is from 1 Corinthians. I don't know how much you know about the church at Corinth in the Bible, but I picked that reading and I wanted to talk about the letter to the Corinthians this morning because I think that church is a great example of the clash, if you like, between imagination and the practical daily realities of life. The Corinthian church has this inspired imagination from the Apostle Paul who planted this church, who preached the good news of Jesus to them. People had their lives radically turned upside down by coming to know Jesus and they have this picture of what it will look like and what it means to be in community together, to follow Jesus together. And then they start living it out and it gets messy really quickly. The church at Corinth has all kinds of problems. There are people doing all kinds of things. and There's people in the church who are meant to be family to each other who are suing each other in a court of law, Paul says. Uh, there are people in the church who are married to other people who are sleeping with each other. This is not a healthy church by any stretch of the imagination. But it is a great picture for us of the reality that we have this imagination and this picture of what we're called to, 
and yet we live it out in the realities of our daily, complex, complicated, broken, messy lives and relationships with one another. This church here hopefully doesn't have either of those problems, but we're not a perfect church. We are messy and complicated and our relationships with one another sometimes get tricky and difficult and we have to figure things out along the way. But that doesn't mean that we don't hold forth this story, this value, this imagination of what God has called us to be. And one of the words that we use a lot at Richmond is this idea of practice. And I really love the word practice for a couple of reasons. Practices are something that you do regularly so that they become habits, so that they become part of your life. Uh, and so practice is just, you know, something that we do. We come together each week and we talk about practice. But practice is also something you do because you need to get better at it. I, I was talking to um, someone this morning, talking to Francesca, about playing the piano and how we both learned the piano as kids. And you have to do a lot of practice. There was a lot of hours spent just playing scales, you know, practicing the piano. And it's, it's doing something that in some ways is a little bit false. Like nobody ever actually asked me now to play them a scale. I've never had someone come up to me and say, can you please play a scale on the piano for me? And I go, yes, I can do that. But you do the practice to build up the muscles and to build up the skills and to develop your you know, abilities so that you can then get to a point, hopefully, where you can come and you can play a tune and someone hands you a, a page that just has the names of chords on it and you go, oh, I vaguely know what to do now. Practice is what enables us to get there in the future. And, and so I like the idea of practice because sometimes, particularly when we're gathered together like this, and here's a spoiler alert or a forewarning for you, some of the things we're going to do this morning <laughs> might feel a little false. They might feel a little token because we're just having a go at something and it's really just like playing a scale. <laughs> but we're trying to exercise our muscles and start to develop uh, a skill that we want to build up and we want to be part of how we live day to day. Does that make sense? So what I want to do this morning is take us through these four values under this heading of live and love. And because it's about us as a community, after each one, I want to have a go at practicing in some small way. Um, so we're going to pray in the middle of the message. Uh, we're going to actually have an opportunity to talk to each other in the middle of the message. That won't be the end. Um, we're, going to, you know, we're going to do a few different things. I'm actually going to ask you some questions, and I'm going to see if you have any questions you want to ask me, risky stuff. Um, so as we go, it's a bit of, a, a, I guess, a different way of doing it. But that we might not just talk about these values, but actually practice them in some small way that we might encourage us and remind us that we want to keep practicing them in big ways every day, every week, every month, every year. That's another word you probably hear a lot at Richmond is this idea of rhythms. We sort of, Elliot loved Richmond rhythms and we kind of maybe have got him out of the habit of that because, you know, the alliteration is maybe a bit too cutesy. <laughs> but the idea of having rhythm in our lives to how we live together. You know, families have rhythms, communities have rhythms. It's not necessarily um, about doing it, you know, all the time, every second, every moment, but what are the rhythms that we're getting into with our practices uh, that give the heartbeat of our community life, the rhythms every week as we gather together on a Sunday or the rhythms every week or fortnight as we meet in our gospel groups or we meet one-on-one -on -one to read the Bible together, the daily rhythms, the weekly rhythms, the now quarterly rhythms of dessert nights. It sounds good to me. I'm, I'm happy to add that rhythm into my life, dessert once a quarter. Um, this, my, my experience, and I think a lot of your experiences over the last few years of Richmond, is we've tried not to be a church that is heavily programmed in some ways, that we don't have heaps of rosters and we don't have kind of heaps of programs, but that doesn't mean that we don't want to do stuff together. What we're trying to do is build up this idea of rhythms. We value being family um, and families kind of get into these habits and practices and rhythms. Um, so let's get into it. So 
So we're looking at the, the middle part of our values. So Sophie, last week, as I said, looked at the first few, the first five, I think, under uh, the heading of gather and grow. So again, we should all remember this. So gather and grow. Today is live and love, and the next week is give and go, if you want to remember the little quick ones. But there are four things that we together discerned were statements about who we want to be as a church and who we seek to practice to be. And the first one is this, that we love one another as family in Jesus working together for the flourishing of each generation. We love one another as family. That is our goal and our desire as a community, as a church. Alyssa read to us that passage from 1 Corinthians. And I don't know if you noticed, the second half of that passage might have seemed familiar to you from various places, most commonly heard at weddings, which is fine, but it's actually not about marriage at all. It's about the church. And I love that in this letter to this dysfunctional, messed up, complicated, getting it wrong in practice church, Paul has this incredible picture, this poem, about what love looks like in practice. It is written to the church to say, well, how do you do this? How do you actually live as family, as the people of God, as followers of Jesus together? And he says, I will show you the most excellent way. Love one another. And what does that look like? It's not about some warm, fuzzy feeling. It's about getting practical. It's about being patient with each other. It's about being kind to each other. It's about not keeping a record when other people do you wrong because people in the church will do you wrong. It's about not getting angry and not being envious and not boastful, but about being patient and persevering and trusting and hoping. As I said, it's a very familiar passage, perhaps one of the most familiar passages of the Bible. And yet I think we sometimes take it and make it about romantic love where it applies, and absolutely, the practice of living in daily relationship takes work. But it's written to us as a church, as a community. We love one another as family, even when it's hard, even when it's messy, even when we hurt one another. Did you notice in that value statement, although this is our statement about love, it has the word work in there. And you might not think of those two things as going together, love and work, but the Bible puts them together all the time. We work to love one another. It's not because you're all so hard to love that it's so much effort for me that I have to work at it. But there's a truth to that. Sometimes I'm hard to love too. To love in practice as a community takes work in a good way, in a sense of daily practices, habits, attitudes, actions towards one another. The goal is flourishing, that we might see all the members of this community, all the different generations flourishing. That is, we're seeking the best for each other, to bring out the best of our kids, of our older people, of our young people, of our middle-aged people, of our people who still think they're young but are maybe getting older than they think they are, and everyone in between. We are seeking to bring out the best and see one another flourish. And I was thinking about some of the stories that I'm aware of, and I'm sure there are many that I am not aware of, of how we see that happening in our church. Hopefully, just as we get to know each other and we recognise the connections we have with one another and we start to do life together. I can tell you stories of people in this church who go swimming together, people who are talking about having a baking day together, people who go camping together, a quiz night team that got together from this church, and one, by the way, um, <laughs> people who are in book clubs together, uh, people who take someone else, well, someone else in the church's kids to their sporting events and then join in the family meal with them, people who don't have kids and are looking after the kids of others, finding ways to connect with each other, but also people showing up at the tough times, knocking on each other's door when there's been grief or loss or heartbreak, walking together through anxiety, through infertility, through loneliness, through grief. 
It's practical. It's showing up. It's being there for each other. That's what it looks like to love one another as family. And so if you're a part of Richmond, you're a part of the family. And that means that we want to love you and we want you to love us in practice. So don't wait for an invitation to love one another. That is who we want to be. When you talk to someone at church on a Sunday and they tell you what's going on in their lives, is there an opportunity for you to follow them up on that, to put it into action, to show up and be there for them when they need you, to connect with them at the things you have in common because that's what families do so that all might flourish. So that's the first of our values about living and loving together. I think it's pretty straightforward, but it's the one that takes a lot of work in practice because it means showing up and doing it and being there. And so what I want to do is actually pause for a moment and pray. I want us to pray for each other because loving each other is a great goal, but it's hard in practice. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes relationship. And so I want to pray for the different, I guess, different generations and the different people who make up our community. But as I pray, I'd like you to do something for me. I warned you, there was going to be some activity this morning. (laughs) I'd like you to think of the people who are sitting on each side of you. Just have a look now, see who's sitting on your right and who's sitting on your left. Just, you know, wave to them if you want to. Just get a sense of them. You might know them, you might have come with them, or you might not have ever met them. And as we pray, I would love you to pray for each of them. So I'm going to lead us in prayer. You don't need to pray out loud, but listen to the prayer that I'm praying and and specifically apply it to the person who is sitting next to you on one side of you. If you feel comfortable, you might just want to put in the hand on their shoulder as you pray for them so that we might say we're all in this together and we all want to be loving and praying for and seeking the flourishing and best of everyone in our community, okay? So let's pause in the middle of the message and let's pray together. Lord God, you love us and you have invited us as a community to love one another. In fact, that's, Jesus, you said that's how people will know that we are yours, that we belong to you, that we know you because we love one another. And so we want to love one another now by praying for each other, for those who are sitting alongside us, for us as a community as a whole. We want to see their best. We want to see them flourish. We want to be there for each other. We want to connect and share and do life together. And we want to support and encourage, uphold one another. Lord, we know there will be times when it's hard, when we're walking through difficult stuff, or perhaps even when we hurt each other or we misunderstand each other. And we want to show that kind of love that is practical, that forgives, that perseveres, that trusts, that hopes, that lives it out in practice. Lord, we pray for the kids of our church. Most of them who are not here at the moment are out in the kids' program. We pray your blessing on them and that you would help us all, parents, aunties, uncles, as members of a family, to love on and seek the flourishing of our next generation as they grow, as we show them what it looks like to be part of this extended family here. We pray for our parents uh, as they seek to raise their kids, that you would help us to get alongside them and encourage them. Lord, we pray for those who are studying, those who are at school, who are at uni, who are studying maybe later in life, um, that you would bless them and that we would support them and encourage them share with them and be interested and excited in what they're doing and support them where we can. We pray for those who are working in their various workplaces, uh, all the different professions that are represented here as we live our daily lives. We pray your blessing and your flourishing that they might be fulfilled in what they do with their time and that they might make an impact on the people with whom they work. 
Lord, we pray for those whose main work is at home or in the community, those who are parenting, those who are retired, those who are volunteering, all the different spaces that we find ourselves in. We pray for them that they might find fulfilment and a sense of purpose in what they are doing right now and a sense of, um, of your presence with them every moment. Father, we pray for those who are older in our community, um, those who are getting to the, the point in life where things maybe aren't as easy as it once was, um, who maybe feel a bit more isolated than they were, that you would help us to love them well and honour them, what they bring to us as a community, the wisdom and the experience uh, of the lives that they have lived and the faithfulness they have walked with you. Give us uh, patience with them that we might love them well. Father, for those uh, who are married in relationships, we pray for strong relationships of love between them and that their marriages might point other people to you, uh, that, that our community would be a place where there are faithful relationships uh, and that are strong and healthy. And we pray for those who are single and those who are, are feeling on their own, um, that this would be a place where all are welcomed in, whether you're part of a, a nuclear family or, or not, that we are all extended family together and that we do life together in all our different situations. We pray, um, Lord, for every member of our family and particularly those that we sit alongside right now. We want to love one another well because you have loved us well and you have invited us into this community where love is a defining marker and value that we hold highly. So bless us all now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So love one another. Said a number of times in the Bible, that's one of our key values. Our second value under this idea of living and loving together, it puts maybe some legs and some practice on this, it says we, we encourage an attitude of lifelong learning and want to be a church where people can ask questions, get involved, and use their gifts. There's a lot to unpack in that. All of these, I feel like we could spend you know, the whole time just unpacking what all of it means. But this idea of lifelong learning, I think, is part of the, the idea of loving one another, that we love each other to seek the flourishing, and therefore we don't just expect people to stay the way they are. There is room in this community for us to grow. I like to talk about the idea of hope. I'd never thought of hope as a verb until sometime last year when we were talking about it in this context. What does it mean for me to have hope for you? It means that I don't just assume that who you are right now and how I am perceiving you and our relationship is right now is the way that it's always going to stay. Because I don't know about you, but that frustrates me. Do you find that when other people treat you as if that's just who you are, they put you in a box, you'll never change? You're like, you know what, I'm a, I'm a human being. I make mistakes, I have flaws, I learn, I grow. Hope with me that things can get better. Don't write relationships off and say, well, this, I just don't get on with that person, or we just don't click, or I just don't know them. Our, ideally, it's our value is that we would continue to grow in learning about one another and getting to know each other in loving one another well. And so part of that is we want to be a church where, it's, as it says, people can get involved, practice using their gifts. Everybody has a part to play. That passage that Alyssa read, again, written to this highly dysfunctional church, has this incredible picture of the body. That every member of the community has a part to play. If you cut off your toe, you will notice. If you lose your liver, your body, the rest of your body will be affected by it. We are all different. 
But this image of the body reminds us that each one of us has a part to play. And it's not about which part is more important or which part is more prominent or which part is more well-known, but that we all need each other. And so when one part suffers, the whole body suffers with it. And when one part rejoices, Paul says, the whole body rejoices with it. So we want to encourage this attitude where we can get involved, ask questions, uh, use our gifts and be community together. 1 Corinthians 14, which we didn't read, the next chapter in this letter, actually goes into some of the messiness in practice that that looked like in Corinth because different people had different gifts. Paul in particular talks about in that church there were some people who had the gift of prophesying, of speaking publicly the word of God, and others who had the gift of tongues, which was speaking in an angelic or an unknown language or another language, uh, and some people who had the gift of interpreting that language. And there was some sense of mess and maybe even competition of people thinking, well, my gift's more important than yours. The part that I have to play is better than the part that you have to play. No, you should sit down and let me do my thing. And it's into that context that Paul writes this poem about love. Love is about saying everybody has a part to play and we need to find ways of practising in that well. And so he gives them some really practical instructions about order and structure and how they could do it well. But the point is that it doesn't matter what your gift is, everybody has a part to play. And so we want to encourage you, if you're a part of this church, if you're new, if you've been here for a long time, to consider what are your gifts? What are your skills? What are your passions? Where do you want to get involved? Maybe we don't say it enough, but everybody here is invited to participate in what we are seeking to be and do as a community. We need you We need your gifts, we need your passions, we need your skills. And again, I want to say, don't wait for an invitation. Take the opportunity, ask the question, put your hand up. I was thinking about, you know, we have a lot of creative people in this community, artists and musicians who are trying to get together and and spark off each other and see what they can do. Um, Obviously, we see the people each week who are leading us in music and speaking to us. We have people who serve us coffee, which is the most important thing, I'm told, for some of us. Number one, it certainly was this morning when it was cold and people were waking up like, the coffee needs to be on. Um, We have people who faithfully wash the dishes and clean up after many of us each week. We have people who are great at making lunches for us. We have people who are great at praying and getting alongside others and sharing their, their griefs and their struggles. We have people who care well, who um, you know, make meals and show up and send flowers and write notes and cards of appreciation. Um, we have all these different ways that people can serve and get involved and look after one another. I shouldn't forget, we have people who teach and lead our kids and our youth and our, our young um, it's a middle one called junior youth. <laughs> I can't think of the word for it. Okay. Who give of their time and serve. If you are passionate about any of those things or things that I haven't named or things that we haven't even thought of yet, we want you to participate, to see this as a place where you are needed and invited to use your gifts and step up. So that's my question for you this morning is, where can you get involved? What are your gifts? What are your passions? How can you use them? How can you recognise that we need you and we are better with your involvement? The value does also say that we want to be a church where people can ask questions. We don't, uh, you know, exist as kind of this, I don't know, a hierarchy where there are certain people who just determine how things work. We seek to collectively discern what God is saying. Yes, we have a pastoral team, we have a team of officers, uh, we have ministry leaders who we believe, you know, as a community we've discerned that God has called to lead us. But we want this to be a place where anyone 
can ask the questions, can put ideas, can discuss, can discern together. So if you don't know who these people are or you want to find out about getting involved and becoming one of those people, then, you know, put your hand up and ask. Um, see how you can get involved. So that was my question for you, but I thought, it seems like I can't stand up here and say, we want to be a church where people can ask questions and then I be the only one doing the talking. So, legitimate thing. I don't know how this is going to work. This is, I feel, a bit risky because we're not necessarily known for doing this. But I want to ask you right now, what are your questions about our church? What are your questions about what we're doing, about what opportunities there are, about what our mission is, about what we value, about anything? I'm not going to promise to be able to answer them. Let me tell you that. (laughs) I can try, or there are others amongst us who can try because we're in this together. But I want to ask you, do you have questions about our church? What are they? And if you're really brave, do you want to ask them right now? put you on the spot, haven't I? It's one of our values. We want to be open and transparent and inviting that everyone has a voice, that everyone has the opportunity. Seriously, anyone got any questions? I'm going to ask anything about our church. What would you ask? Yeah. Jane, thanks. Yeah, so fairly new. Yes. Ah, excellent question. There you go. Thank you. Thanks, Jane. And thanks for being brave to be the first person to ask a question because that's hard. So well done. Um, yeah, so we have, um, at the moment, we have three members of our pastoral team. So we did have five until recently. Um, and that has been almost a deliberate thing that we've done as a value to say that um, all of our pastors have, an, have other roles and are involved in the community. So Elliot, our lead pastor, is, I hope I'm going to get this right, anyone in the offices correct me if I'm wrong, is three days a week. Uh, here is our lead pastor, and then he spends two days a week working in leadership development for our movement of churches. Uh, so that's his other role. Sophie is two days a week here uh, as our community life pastor, uh, and then the rest of her time, I don't know how many days it is, sometimes it seems like more than another three, so you'll have to talk to her about that. Um, but Sophie does at Tabor, so she does um, some lecturing, she's doing some marking, she's doing some, um, what's, what's the other word for what you do, Sophie? Sitting there right there, you, it's funny about it. Just getting alongside students and encouraging, so people who are, um, yeah, education. Um, and then I'm now one day a week here at Richmond, so as of about a month ago. Uh, so I'm on the pastoral team here one day a week, and then the other four days of my time, I'm at Baptist churches, so um, overseeing uh, professional development and training of pastors, basically, is my main role there. Yeah. So we have had, obviously, some other pastors who've been involved in some other things, like uh, chaplaincy in the community, um, and even their own business, and so that's a value that we hold, and if we were going forward looking at bringing other people on team, it would probably be that same kind of idea of looking at maybe part-time and what other ways they can get involved. Yeah. So, excellent question. Thank you. Anyone else got a question? Excellent. <laughs> oh, we've got a microphone. Oh, we're really going for it. I just wonder if we're still involved with the football club. Yeah, that's a really good question, and it's an interesting one, isn't it? So Elliot used to be the chaplain at Westies at the football club, and then Mick was the chaplain at Westies, and and that's a really good connection for us, as Mick was one of our pastoral team, but also for Mick because he used to play there, and so he has that kind of, you know, connection personally. And so now that Mick's gone to West Beach, the honest answer is, and I don't know if anyone else has got an answer as well, um, so Mick is still the chaplain there um, at, at Westies, but what does that mean for our connection? And that's a really good question. But where's Ellie? Ellie, you're still the chaplain to the women's team? Yep. Ah, okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's and that's really great to know. So please be please be praying for Ellie in that. So as, as if you didn't hear that, Ellie just said she was given the opportunity to voluntary capacity to to be the chaplain to the women's team. But there's been some question mark about that in terms of overlap with other roles. So that's a conversation going forward. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good point to raise. And as I said, I don't have the answer to that, but it's a good question for us as a church at the moment. What does our ongoing involvement with that community organisation look like, particularly now that Mick's not a part of our church? Marie. Is there office staff here? Oh, sorry. Um, office staff here. I missed that. Office. Office staff. Administration. Yes, yes, thank you. Oh, My thank oversight, you. where is she? Justine. She's out with the kids? Okay. Um, yes, so Justine Humphreys started, what, three weeks ago? So Rach Foster was um, our admin person one day a week, and Justine started, I think it's about three, four weeks ago now. Um, so Justine is two days a week as our office admin person. So she's overseeing all the admin stuff. So if you haven't yet met Justine, make sure you say hi to her. And if you email admin at richmond.org.au, that's who you'll get. You'll get Justine. Yes, yes, just, yeah, and then lots of people who do things voluntarily as well. Yeah. This is great. Any other questions? Open the floor now. It's like, where do you want to go? Cool. Oh, yeah. That's it, Mim. Oh, sorry. <laughs> didn't wear the right shoes for this today. Sorry, I didn't pre-warn Sophie. Well, I did tell you there was going to be questions. All right. Uh, yeah, it's my first time, so, but I have a question. Um, yeah, how do you see, like, this smaller community fitting into, like, the greater, bigger church kind that's, of perspective? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. How does, how does our church community fit into the bigger church? Um, I think my first answer would be we are part of a family of churches. So we're part of a Baptist, um, Baptist Churches of South Australia, which is where I serve and also Elliot a couple of days a week. Um, so we have a pretty strong connection with them. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean heaps on the ground every day, if that makes sense. So we, our movement of churches is one that says each local church is equipped and competent to, to be on mission and to follow Jesus in their own local context in their own way. Um, but it means we have a lot of support. So they support us um, in, in multiple ways. Kind of that's, That would be another question in terms of admin levels. So things like insurance and things like uh, child protection and kind of all the big picture admin stuff, that's where we get our support. Um, so that's a pretty strong connection. Um, we also have connections um, through programs like, like Elliot's involved in the internship and um, so in connecting with kind of growing leaders and um, I think if Elliot were here, I'm trying to, you know, channel my inner Elliot, I don't know if I have one of those, but um, I think he would talk about, that's really weird, um, but I think he would talk about um, that we do have a sense as a church that we have some opportunity in our movement to model some stuff, to try some stuff. We're a church that's probably been experimented with some different things um, because of our size and our location and a few different things. Um, and so we guess have a bit of a reputation in some ways as a church in our movement that, that tries things out and that people look at and, and maybe pinch ideas from and, and that kind of thing. Um, and then in terms of um, connections with other churches in the local area, there aren't heaps of ones that are close, but we, you know, have sort of pastors obviously have relationships with each other. Um, yeah, so we see ourselves as part of the church, you know, not just, but in a, a local context, you know, this is where we're seeking to make Jesus known as part of others are elsewhere. Steve, you want to add to that? Steve's one of our officers, so you have to write back to me, okay. Just, just the hope connection, I think that would ah, be healthy you. to talk about. Yes, yeah, see, this is why... We need a team to answer these questions, collective discernment. Um, yeah, so Hope Arabic is, is also a really other... So 
Um, Hope in a, in a sense are a separate church, but we're, we're also part of, in partnership together. So Hope meet here every Saturday night. Sophie and I were both here last night um, joining with them. They were at our last family night we shared together. So if you weren't there, um, that was a great night where we actually got into small groups and every small group had people from both Hope and Richmond. Um, some groups that was a real challenge because... Some of them don't speak much English and most of us speak zero Arabic. Um, but just trying to build the relationships and connections there is another one. So that's, thanks, Steve. That's great. Anything else? And Camden. See, thank you. As uh, so a Camden Baptist is a church that's probably uh, on its journey of where it is, where we were maybe eight to ten years ago. Um, and so there are some things that we have learned by what God has done here amongst us. And so we've been working with Camden for the last couple of years to try and help them and encourage them. Um, so Mick and, and Elliot, uh, we're meeting with, and Elliot still does, with their leadership team. But we've also sent preachers and we've sent worship leaders um, to help them out and to support them and to encourage them. And that's another great opportunity to get involved. Talking about before about putting your hand up, you know, there's opportunities to get involved with Camden. They also run a op shop. Uh, so that's a possibility we haven't really explored, but that how we could support them in a ministry that they're doing that we're not doing in ways that we might, people from here might want to get involved. So, um, what so. about the Brian Church? Yeah. So Brian Church are coming here on the 7th. We're having our second combined service with them. So that's a bit of a rhythm we're building up, hopefully, an annual rhythm. Um, but we're, again, trying to develop relationships with them um, as we've been on a journey as a church to say, what does it mean to live in this nation? Um, and to not have any First Nation peoples in our community, or not that I'm aware of, um, and how do we connect with our Indigenous brothers and sisters. And so we want to learn from them, um, from the Berean Church, and so that's a great opportunity to be a part of, of that. And there are other ways we'll build connections with them as well. Great. Sorry. Administration team, you don't really know what's going on unless you're a Facebooker. Yes. So yeah. how do we plan to improve that communication with those people that might be isolated because of that? Yeah, no, that is a really good question. And so the first part of that is um, we do do a lot of our communication through our Facebook groups. So if you are on Facebook and you're not in our Facebook groups, get in them. Um, but yes, then the question is, if you're not on Facebook, how do you connect and communicate? I don't have an answer off the top of my head. It's something it's definitely good to be aware of. And if anyone else, Sophie? Uh, I sort of have an answer to that. So we are trying to work on, um, and we're getting better at it, and it's a process of having five different ways that we are making sure we're communicating. So um, Facebook is definitely one of them from the front on a Sunday. So if you're here, you should hear most of what goes on Facebook. Uh, then we're also hoping to do email, text, and I think paper, um, that's the goal, and with hey, Justine that? here, that's um, going to be a wonderful thing because um, she can be all over that. Hi, yeah. and, and Justine's she just stuck just back sneaking in. in, and we're going to like mention you, like, wait, we've been talking about you, Justine, because you're amazing. This is Justine. If you haven't met her yet, <laughs> just like, what is going on? <laughs> Excellent. Any last questions? Yes, thriving. Thriving neighbourhoods. Thank you. See, I, I, I don't know everything by any means, <laughs> um, but yes. So Elliot and Sophie has been involved as well, and Maddie and a couple of Caitlin. others. Sorry, Caitlin. Oh, Caitlin. Yes. Uh, so through our local council, um, we have some connections with them, and they're particularly with this group called Thriving Neighbourhoods. Do you want to say something about that, or Caitlin? Do you want to say something about that? No. 
So Putting you on the spot. Thriving Neighbourhoods, if you haven't heard about it, is a, a collective impact group. So it's a bunch of people from our neighbourhood. So some working at council, others working in childcare centres, uh, us at Richmond Baptist have partnered together um, to look at um, how can we be developing relationships with other people in our community. So um, there's kind of, well, it's three streams now, I think. So um, there's, there's a kid's there's families, and then we've also got another project which we're partnering with um, Baptist Care South Australia, and that's at um, um, trying to um, target particularly people who are experiencing disadvantage and working with them uh, to build neighbourhood connections. So that's kind of thriving neighbourhoods very Excellent. quickly. Thank you. I never put you on the spot there, but that's great. Excellent. So... Thank you for being willing and brave to ask questions, and I hope that's been helpful. But I hope it's also been helpful just to say um, this is what the kind of church we want to be. It doesn't mean that every Sunday we're going to do this, because we're probably not, let's be honest. <laughs> um, but we want there to be opportunities to ask questions. Family nights are great for coming along and asking questions and finding out and sharing ideas. That's one of the purposes of our family nights, which we have four times a year, so once a quarter as well. Um, but at any time, you know, talk to the officers, talk to the team, talk to each other. Um, that's the kind of church we want to be. Let's go on to our third value, because I don't want to keep you here all morning. But <laughs> um, The third value under live and love is this. We are real people. I know sometimes it doesn't look like it, but we are. We are real people. What does that mean? We are real people courageously sharing our joys and our struggles, pointing each other to Jesus, and encouraging love in action, especially in our gospel groups. So this is this idea of being authentic and real with one another, um, like we saw in Corinthians with the body, of actually sharing the things that are hard and the things that are good, and sharing our lives. Um, the phrase that I've often heard in the time that I've been rich in it is doing life together. We want to be people who do life together, not just people who happen to show up and sit next to each other on a Sunday morning for an hour, but people who do life together in all the fullness of what that looks like. Um, we had a series last year called Imagination, where we looked at some of the um, words, I guess, a big picture of who we want to be, and we talked about courage, and we talked about vulnerability. Um, and we really challenged ourselves, you know. We're not always great at this, but this is who we want to be, courageous and vulnerable in doing life together, in sharing uh, things with one another. And you'll notice in particular in this value that we talk about our gospel groups, which we haven't really talked about yet, um, but are a really important part of who we are as a church and what we do, that we recognise in a group this size, it's hard to get to know everybody. There will be people sitting here this morning whose names you don't know, even if you've been coming here for quite a while. Um, that's something we want to work on, but also recognise that we can't all know each other uh, in this size group, but we can, as a big family, also meet together in smaller families. And so our gospel groups meet either every week or every fortnight and are an opportunity to be more vulnerable with a smaller group of people, to share life, uh, to share the ups and downs, to pray for each other, to read the Bible together, to study together. Um, and so I want to talk about gospel groups this morning because... Um, if you're not in a gospel group, which there's always an invitation and we want to encourage you and I maybe even want to challenge you to consider joining one. But I want to be honest at the moment, we've grown as a church and it's great and it's exciting. We need more gospel groups. That's where we're at at the moment. We need more gospel groups. And so I want to challenge you this morning to consider, maybe to go away and pray about it and think about it. We need people who are willing to host gospel groups which are willing to open up their home and have a small group of people come every week or every fortnight to meet together. We need people who are willing to lead gospel groups or co-lead or facilitate, choose your word, um, because I know not everyone likes the idea of being a leader, but really to, to make it happen, 
to be someone who puts up their hand and says, either by myself or with someone else or together as a couple or whatever it might be, we are willing to take responsibility for a group. It doesn't mean we'll do everything, but we're going to try and help bring it together and you know, help give it some structure and invite other people in the group to participate and lead as they can. So I want to put that challenge out there to you, particularly if you've been a part of this church for a while. Um, not only that, it's just, that's okay if you're newer as well, but if you've been a part of this church for a while... Um, you know that we love our gospel groups and you know that we've grown and we've got new people and we don't want them to miss out on what life is in gospel groups. So think about it, pray about it, consider it. Um, I think in the next few weeks, Elliot and I are probably going to have a get-together um, where we're going to invite people who are interested in forming some new gospel groups in talking about hosting and leading gospel groups. So I want to put that on your radar as a challenge, as something to pray about, consider and come and talk to us about. Um, but for all of us, we really want to encourage everyone to consider being in a gospel group, being in that smaller community when they, you can share together. And there are so many stories um, we could tell you from our gospel groups of what that looks like in practice, of a place where you can be more vulnerable and go deeper together. I was thinking back to just my own gospel group for the last year, which hasn't been perfect and we've had some ups and downs in when we've been able to meet and who's been able to be there. And yet some of the stories of practical things, I think we shared this at a family night, but we had this night um, last year where we asked each other, rather than just praying for each other, what can we be doing? How can we be serving each other? Uh, and so we've had people in our groups give each other guitar lessons, uh, fix each other's toilets, edit each other's essays. Uh, what else? Drive people to the airport. Um, you just, you know, all the random stories of the things that it looks like to do life together, to be family together. That's what we want our groups to look like. And as I said, I'm sure you could ask any of our groups and they would have multiple stories of how they do life together. Um, so... How do we practice gospel groups in like five minutes on a Sunday morning? <laughs> this, is my, this was my challenge for this morning. We're going to give us a little taste of that. So I'm going to ask you to do one more thing this morning. This is the last practical thing, but it's not the end of the sermon, just forewarning, right? So I'm going to call you back again because we've got one more value to go. I want you to get into a group in a minute with three or four people around you. And we're going to practice being a little mini gospel group just for a few minutes. And what I'm going to ask you to do is this, each of you to share two things. We'll call it a high and a low. Right? Something great that's happening in your life at the moment that you're excited about, something you're proud of, something that you're joyful about, and something that's hard, something that's a challenge. Now, you can choose how deep and, and you want to go. You might not know these people, so you might want to keep it light or you might want to bear your soul. That's up to you. Um, but this is an opportunity to practice what we do in our gospel groups. And it's probably going to feel a little bit weird depending who you're sitting near. Um, but let's give it a go, okay? So I'm going to give you five minutes, grab a couple of people around you, and each person share a high and a low. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt if you are still talking. I hope you can fin finish your conversations later. Um, but I hope that was helpful, uh, even just to get to know some people a bit better. Um, we were saying in our group, even just to, we don't need to necessarily need to have answers or advice, but just to be able to say to people, yeah, that is really hard, or yeah, that is really good. Um, and just to share life together. And two things I want to say, one I've just been reminded is, if you're new to Richmond, particularly um, the word gospel group might be like, what are you talking about? So <laughs> gospel groups are normal to us, but, and it becomes normal language. Um, but gospel groups are what we call, other people might call them small groups or Bible studies or home groups. Um, so a group of people, uh, usually between probably six and 12-ish, uh, that meet together in someone's home usually. So a couple of them meet here yeah, every week or every fortnight, read the Bibles together, pray together, share life, eat together. Um, yeah, do all those kinds of things. So that's what we're talking about. Sorry if I didn't explain that. Um, and then in terms of what we've just done then, um, I think the way that I would put it is this, that we want to be a church, when we talk about sharing our joys and struggles, we want to be a church where it's okay 
to celebrate the good things. And you can tell us and talk about the good things that are happening in your life and not feel like you're boasting because we're family and you just want to share your joys with us. And so we want to be free to do that, tell each other, celebrate the little things and the big things. But we also want to be a church where you can be honest about the things that are hard and about the struggles and the challenges that you're facing. And as I said, we may not always be able to give you an answer, but we can say we're with you. That is really hard. We're walking beside you. Um, how can we encourage you and help you and support you in that? So I hope that was just a little taste of that. Let's finish off with our last one. And you'll be pleased to know the last one talks about hospitality. So our practice for this is going to include coffee. So <laughs> uh, our fourth value under this idea of live and love is that we welcome and love all people. Practicing hospitality, generosity and forgiveness and valuing our diversity. And again, there's a lot in that that we could unpack. But this idea of this isn't something we just want to hold to ourselves, this love, uh, this practice, this joy and struggle sharing, this being in, in it together. But everyone is invited to be part of that. So if you are new, if you have friends and family that you would like to bring along, welcome. And we want to be a church and we try to be a church and we hope to be and we see ourselves as a church that welcomes them in um, no matter who they are. And in particular, again, we talked about these in our imagination series last year, the ideas of hospitality, that we want to be a church that doesn't, uh, not hospitality in the sense of, you know, having a fancy house and inviting people over for a nice meal, although if you have that and you want to do that, that's excellent. But hospitality is an attitude that we practice with one another where we are open and welcoming and inviting each other in all the time. And generosity, those two words really go together hand in hand, generosity and hospitality, where we are offering ourselves, where we are giving away what we could keep for ourselves. There's my inner Elliot. I found him. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, we are giving away more of what we could keep for ourselves is what he would say many, many times. And it is true. And we want a church that is generous. Uh, and forgiveness. Forgiveness presupposes that we won't always get it right, that we will mess it up sometimes, and that we can be a church that where we say to each other, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I said something that, you know, hurt you. I'm sorry that I misunderstood. I'm sorry that I wasn't there. Whatever it is, I'm sorry because we all make mistakes and we can say to each other, I forgive you and let's keep doing life together. Um, so that's something Jesus talks a lot about, about practising forgiveness in the body of Christ. Um, but as I go back to the, the letter to the Corinthians for one final time, it was just really interesting, again, this, this really messy, complicated church which has got all these problems, and yet Paul talks really practically to them about these kind of things. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which we didn't read but comes just before the bit Alyssa read, is very much about hospitality. Uh, it's about a church where there were rich and poor in that church, and so what was happening was that the rich people were bringing all their fancy food and eating it, and the poor people were going away hungry. And Paul says to them, hospitality looks like everybody sharing what they have. You know, and everybody, it doesn't matter if you've only brought you know, a, a loaf of bread and someone else has made this incredible cake, everybody shares in everything that has come. And so it gets really, Paul gets down to tin tacks, very practical, very grounded. This is what it looks like in sharing a meal together, in doing life together, in welcoming everybody in. And then in 1 Corinthians 16, right at the end of the letter, he talks about generosity and he talks about giving. He talks about sharing of resources and money. Uh, and it's not something we talk about heaps from the front here at Richmond, um, but I thought, again, in this context, it is worth noting. We're talking about generosity. Um, last night at Hope Arabic, we did a Q&A session and one of the questions that was asked was really interesting. I don't think I've ever been asked a question like this before, but the question was, why should we give money to the church? Isn't it a ministry, not a business? Like, oh, that's a really interesting question. What do I do with that? And the way that I answered it is I said that that question to me sounds like you're thinking of the church as this institution, this building, this thing that's over there. And here I am. And why should I give my money to that, to the church? But the church is us. We are the church. 
This is what I've been talking about this morning, this community, this family. That's what the Bible calls the church. And so it's not about me giving to them. It's about us contributing together to one another and to the things that we want to do. And so we give and we are generous in this church because we believe God has called us to things. We want to love one another well. We want to provide coffee for one another well. Apparently, it's a high value of ours. Um, you know, and those things mean that together we commit to providing the resources to make that happen. We want to love our community well. That's what Elliot's going to be talking about next week in our neighbourhood. We want to be reaching out uh, and making a difference in the lives of the people who live in this local area. That's something we as a community are committed to, and so we together contribute our resources to that. And so, again, if you're new or maybe you haven't been around church for um, much time, you might not know, um, but we've been putting up this slide and we have these little cards at the back. Sophie, you want to grab one for us? But all of what we do here at Richmond is supported by the generosity of us. What we give together as a community is what supports what we do. We don't get funding from anywhere else. And sometimes people think churches get funded by the government. Not the case. Everything that we do is about us committing together to give and be generous. And so that's something I wanted to challenge us about today is to think about our giving and our partnering is another word that we often use for that. If you're someone who's a part of this family, then what does it look like for you to give to that? Now, that might mean giving your time giving your skills, giving your resources, but we do want to also challenge you to think about giving financially. That is a part of what we do, that we uh, have things that we, that cost, that we want to be a part of and contribute to, and so it is the generosity of us together doing that. Um, and so Sophie has got up the back these little cards that we've just put out, which should just um, give you the details of that, because most people give online these days, so we have an offering here, and if you want to contribute, you know, um, in on the day, and we're looking at some other options for how we can do that electronically in, in the coming weeks. Um, but most people give online, so there's a little card that you can take um, to talk about that as, a kind of, as kind of a starting point for you to consider how am I contributing generously to what God is doing amongst us. The so generosity and, of course, hospitality, uh, doing uh, meals together, spending time together, sharing our lives together. And I know I joke about it because I don't actually drink coffee. I know, confession. Um, but a lot of people here do, and a lot of people love their coffee, and coffee is a great opportunity for us to share hospitality together. But it's more than that as well. Um, lunch is something that we often do. I know I've said this before, and so I want to say it again today. Basically, my experience of Richmond is this. If you hang around long enough on a Sunday, someone will get some lunch. Right, so we have planned lunches sometimes. The week of the Berean Church, so two weeks' time, we're having a lunch together. We're asking you to bring lunch. Um, but if you're not doing anything today, just hang around because there's going to be a group of us who hang around and probably, you know, when we all get hungry enough at 12.30 or 1 o'clock, we'll ring up and we'll order some food and we'll get it brought here and we'll eat a meal together. Um, one of my favourite stories, and I haven't asked them about this, but Rob and Justine, the first week they ever came, we told them this. Uh, so it was their first time ever and they stuck, stuck around for lunch and it was a bit of a comedy of errors because I think whatever we ordered didn't show up and then like we had to order it again and so it was like nearly three o'clock by the time we actually ate any food um, but that was their introduction to the church and we were sitting out the back we were all tired we were like lying on the couches we weren't very kind of putting our best face forward <laughs> um, we were just being family together and I think it's one of the reasons these guys have you know been a part of our community so quickly has gone this is what it's like so that's an invitation that's open to you all so we're going to finish our service in a minute we're going to finish our gathering time in here but that's not the end of us doing life together. It's not the end of it today. We want to invite you to stick around to keep those conversations going over coffee. If you're not doing anything, hang around, as I said, and we'll grab some lunch at some point later today. Uh, during the week, if you're not in a gospel group, one-on-one um, -on -one Bible reading is something I haven't even mentioned that, but if you're interested in connecting with someone one-on-one, -on -one, or there are just people that you've connected with today, grab their details, message them, phone them, connect with them. Um, let's keep 
pushing into that imagination, those values that we've stated of this is who we want to be, a family that does life together. So I hope there are some practical questions that's raised for you today that you can take away and think about what does it look like for you to do life as family with this community. Let me pray. God, thank you for this time together and just the opportunity to unpack and talk about and explore these things that we value, um, these statements that together we have discerned provide a picture um, of who we believe you are calling us to be as a community and as a community in this local time and place. So I pray that as we've uh, talked this morning about living and loving together, that we would practice it well uh, as we spend time together now, over coffee, over lunch, during the week, uh, in our gospel groups, in our connections with one another as family, as we come back together again next Sunday, in all that we are doing, we want to be a community that loves one another well. I pray that you would challenge each of us of what we give to that, what we contribute to that, and you would open our eyes to one another so that we might invite others into that as well. And we look forward to rejoicing together at how you are continuing to grow us as family and how we are experiencing and then inviting and sharing with others this love and life together. So go with us now um, and keep us in that mindset that we have already had this morning of just sharing our lives with one another well. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you might want to keep the conversations going that I interrupted. You might be hanging out for a coffee or you might just want to hang around. But please do that now and I look forward to catching up with you throughout the week and next week.